If you would please open your Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Title of our message today is Resurrection Hope. Resurrection Hope. There's a story of uh, the great leader of Great Britain uh, during World War II, Winston Churchill. And uh, he had planned out his own funeral. And uh, that funeral took place in St. Paul, Paul's Cathedral. And as he planned that, he gave them scripture passages that he wanted read. And he gave them songs that he wanted sung and included a lot of the eloquent uh, Anglican liturgy the, to be a part of that service. And uh, he also asked for two buglers, one to be stationed at either end of St. Paul's Cathedral's dome. And uh, when he said that after the benediction is done, what he wanted to have happen was for one of those buglers to play taps. And, of course, when you play taps, that means the day is over. It's done. It's come to finality. There's a completion there. But then he said, and he put a nice little twist on this, he said once the person uh, ends the playing of taps, that he wanted the second bugler, which was on the other side of the dome, to begin playing Reveille which means that it's time to get up, it's time to go, it's time to move, it's morning, it's time to get back to business. And what he was sharing when he said that was simply that he had hope that death was not the end, that there was something after death. Winston Churchill had a hope that there was something more. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, so many in our society today, of course, in the midst of this pandemic, people are seeking hope. They're searching for hope. So many have, have lost their jobs. Millions have lost their jobs. Uh, so many have lost so much money. So many have lost their retirement, their savings, and things like that. Many have lost their health. And unfortunately, uh, many have lost their lives, not just here in Florida, but throughout our country and around the world. And all of that is tragic. And we, our heart pours out to those people. But they're searching for answers. They're seeking Hope. People need something to hold on to. They need that measure of hope. Well, I've got great news today because I, we all know that that hope is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That hope is found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He is our hope. And as we look at John chapter 20 today, I want to share with you four expectations of resurrection hope. Four expectations of resurrection hope. First of all, Let's look at John chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10 and read those to begin with, then we'll continue on through the remainder of the chapter. John chapter 20, verse number 1, the Word of God says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out, and the other disciple, who, by the way, that's uh, the Apostle John, they were together, uh, going together to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb and saw the cl linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded and placed, uh, folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, mark this now, 
and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their homes. First of all, our first expectation is this, is that resurrection hope brings resolution. Resurrection hope brings resolution. We saw in verse number 8 there that John saw and believed. Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. She's bringing extra spices to further anoint the body of Jesus recognizes the body is not there. She and other women, the other women who came with her, they all scattered and went their different directions to tell everyone, and Mary Magdalene just happened to go to Peter and John. Peter and John run to the tomb, and they realize that the body's not there, and it says that John saw and believed. Now, the question is, what did he see? What did he see? Well, if you look at it, obviously he runs up there, and he sees that the stone is rolled away. Now, this was a massive stone, a huge stone, it would have taken several very strong men to move that stone away. Plus, what he didn't see was there were no guards left there. The Roman guards that had been placed there in order to protect that gravesite were gone. So the stone is rolled away, the guards are gone, and he looks in and he sees what? Nothing. Nothing. He sees an empty tomb. He sees the linen cloths lying there, but there's no body in these linen cloths. He sees the handkerchief that's been folded and put off to the side. The handkerchief that would have been, that cloth that would have been wrapped around Jesus' head is folded now and laid to the side in a place where it's not supposed to be. Now that is very odd because if grave robbers had stolen the body of Jesus, which many people believed that that was going to happen, in fact, many believed at that time who wanted Jesus dead, they thought the disciples stole the body. But the linen cloths were just lying there. It was as if the idea of lying there is it's like whenever you uh, uh, deflate a balloon and it just, you know, just comes down like that. Or whenever you're, you're folding, or rather taking a folded sheet and you're putting it on your bed and you kind of throw it up in the air, you know, and it kind of flaps in the air, but then it rests on the bed. That's the idea here. The, the cloths just kind of, which tells us that the body went right through those cloths. And then the handkerchief, of course, not being around his head, not being where it's supposed to be, but yet folded and put it off to the side. There's so much evidence here that the body was not stolen. If the body was stolen, then the cloths would still be uh, intact? I don't think so. Because if you remember, when, remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? When Lazarus came out, remember that? He came out, he's hopping out, he's scooting out, however he's doing it, you know? And then they had to unwrap him, right, in order to loose him from the cloths. If that had happened, those cloths would be all over that gravesite, all over that tomb. It would have been a mess, but they weren't. They were all just lying there. The handkerchief would really, think about this, would a thief of this body, would they come in to rob this tomb, would they take time to fold the cloths that were wrapped around Jesus' head and lay them off to the side? Think of it this way. If a thief came into your home and wanted to rob you of things, would he take time to go, oh, you know what, they've got some towels in the dryer. I think I'll fold those before we leave here. Or they've got dishes that need to be washed, or maybe the dishwasher needs to be emptied. Hold on, before we leave and stealing everything out of their home, I want to empty this dishwasher for them. No, that, that's crazy. That would never happen. But here, at the tomb, things were in place. That linen cloth, were, they were all in place. The handkerchief that covered Jesus' face were laid off to the side and folded. And to think about it, the grave robbers, would they even stop to take the clothes, the cloths off of Jesus' body? 
I mean, it would be much easier to carry the body with the cloths on. It's wrapped up and it's, it's good to go. The point is this. The resurrection hope brings resolution. This event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, brings resolution to everything. It brings finality. Jesus said over and over and over again, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me, crucify me, bury me, and three days later, I'm out of here. In John chapter 2, verses 18 to 22, Jesus said, You destroy this temple, I'll raise it again in three days. In Matthew 12, when he was speaking of Jonah, he said, Just as Jonah was in the, the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. In fact, it was so well known that even the religious leaders went to Pilate and said, you know what, Pilate, hold on a second. We need to put a guard at this tomb, and you need to seal it. There needs to be an official seal, and here's why. Jesus said he was going to raise from the dead three days later, and we kind of feel like people are going to try to steal the body to prove that that happened, so we want you to seal the tomb and put guards around it. So th this was common knowledge. Over and over again, uh, at least a dozen times, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to raise from the dead. He brought finality to it. He brought resolution to it. You know, many of you watching here today, uh, some of you live in different, maybe you live in, in a duplex or an apartment or a townhome or you have your own house or, or in a mobile home or whatever the case may be, but some of you lease, some of you rent, but some of you are paying a mortgage on what you own. And you long for that day when that mortgage is totally paid off, right? You long for that day where that final house payment is made. And whenever that house payment is made, what happens is you get a, uh, what are known as mortgage release papers or mortgage satisfaction papers. And what is that? that is the, these, this is paperwork from the bank telling you, listen, the loan has been satisfied. It's final. It's been paid in full. The lien holder is totally satisfied that the requirements of all the payments have been met. The thing is totally paid off. And then you get that deed and that deed says, you know what, this house is mine, lock, stock, and barrel. Nobody else's. It's totally paid off. That's the empty tomb. The empty tomb is our deed. The empty tomb is that resolution, that certainty, that final act, that finality that Jesus says, listen, it's done. Heaven is attainable because I've given my life for you and I have raised from the dead for you. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life, new life, life that you can truly be joyous about is yours. I've brought it to a resolution. I've brought it to certainty. I've brought it to finality. That is what hope brings in the resurrection. Resurrection hope brings resolution that we can have a home in heaven. But secondly, resurrection hope also guarantees a reunion. Resurrection hope guarantees a reunion. Look at verses 11 through 17. But Mary, Mary Magdalene, stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she was stooped, uh, stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around, and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, 
If you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Watch this. Jesus said to her, Mary. You'll notice that word there, her name, Mary. Notice that there's an exclamation point behind it. That means Jesus is saying it with passion, with emotion. Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. Resurrection hope guarantees a reunion. Mary Magdalene is reunited with her Savior. She looks back into the tomb. Again, she can't believe her eyes. The body is gone. But now she's seeing two angelic beings. And they're asking her, why are you weeping? She turns. And as she turns away from the tomb and, and begins to walk away, all of a sudden, woman, why are you weeping? Jesus is standing there. She thinks it's the gardener, which makes total sense because the tomb was in a garden. Oh, sir, if you've taken the body, please tell me where it's at. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it for you. And he says, Mary, reunited. The reunion between Jesus Christ and the one that he saved, Mary Magdalene, the one that he delivered from demons, Mary Magdalene, the Savior whom she loved so dearly. They, there was a reunion there. And it was the same throughout. We see in, in the New Testament. We see Jesus appearing to all the disciples. Reunion. We see Jesus appearing before followers. Reunion. We see Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene and to other women. We see him appearing to the, the men on the road to Emmaus. We see him sitting down with Peter by the Sea of Galilee in John 21. We see him being reunited with all kinds of people. We see him uh, uh, presenting himself and confronting uh, Saul, who eventually became the Apostle Paul. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 says that he was seen by over 500 people at one time. What a reunion. Jesus was reunited with all of these people. That's what Resurrection Hope guarantees. It guarantees a reunion. You know, many years ago, in 2006, we moved to North Carolina to uh, continue our uh, studies and to work on my degree. And, and uh, the first night there was absolutely awful. Something really bad happened. Uh, we had a, a dog, a black Labrador retriever. Uh, we called her Gracie. And, uh, you know, you have our pets, and they become part of your family after a while. They really do. And uh, she was part of our family. We loved Gracie. And, and my middle son, Evan, it was his money that ended up buying Gracie. And that was, that was his baby. You know, it was his dog. And, and uh, we got up there and we didn't know what to do with her, so we, what we did was we chained her up outside, and uh, we wrapped the chain around the leg of the deck that was in the backyard. We had a deck, and so we put that chain around the leg. Well, we're out in the forest. We're out in the boonies of North Carolina, all right? We're out there in the middle of nowhere and a small subdivision out there, so there's all kinds of critters. Man, there's deer, there's possum, there's raccoons, there's squirrels, there's all rabbits, there's all kinds of stuff out there. So as we're out there, and it's, it's 10, 11 o'clock at night, we just hear Gracie barking like crazy. We knew that she was probably seeing critters out there, and it was an unfamiliar place to her. Totally, she had no idea what was going on about the move. And then all of a sudden, we heard a ruckus, and we realized Gracie had taken off. She had literally snatched, snatched on that, that chain so hard that it ripped that a leg off of the corner of that deck, and she was chasing after something through the forest. And that night we got out there and we yelled and screamed, Gracie, Gracie, just could not find her. 
the next morning, we're all just, we're feeling so bad. People are crying. And so we went out, we looked for Gracie a little bit more. I was unfamiliar with the area. We looked around, we couldn't find her. And then later that day in the afternoon, my son Evan said, Dad, can we please go look one more time? And I said, okay, let's go look one more time. But this time, we, we went out of our subdivision. Normally, we would take a left. Well, this time, we took a right. And we traveled about a quarter mile down the road. And there was this huge open field with a big billboard on the side of it. And the sun was behind that billboard so that it cast a shadow in front of it. And in the middle of that shadow, guess who sat there? Gracie. I pulled my Ford Ranger truck off to the side. We went through the ditch and up into that field, and we started driving towards her, and she got up on all fours, and she started barking at us, and she didn't know who it was. She didn't know what was going on. So we jumped, stopped the truck, jumped out of the truck, and Evan just ran to her, and man, he ran to her, and he grabbed her, and he held her, and he cried, and we cried, and, and it was such a great, great reunion for us to be there and be a part of that. I'm so glad that we found her. That just that made his trip right there. You know what? One day there's another reunion coming where we will see our Savior. And it's because of the resurrection that we have that reunion coming. I look forward to the reunion of me and my father. My dad, Bob West, uh, passed away February 26, 2003. And I look forward to the day. First person I want to see when I get to heaven is King Jesus. Number two, my dad. And what a reunion that's going to be. Resurrection hope guarantees that we will have a reunion, not with just our loved ones, but with our Savior. And we have so much to look forward to because of that. The third thing that resurrection hope does for us, the third thing is this. Resurrection hope provides restoration. Resurrection hope provides restoration. Look at verses 19 and 20, if you would, with me. Re uh, John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. John says here, Then the same time that evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now drop down to verse number 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to them, We have seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see the hand, hands with, uh, the, in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days the disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, he's talking directly to Thomas here, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here, put it into my side, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me and have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Resurrection hope provides restoration. Thomas was restored to his Lord at this particular point. It took several days. Everybody else had already seen Jesus. Thomas had not. When I think of Thomas, 
Thomas was a Debbie Downer, okay? Thomas was all about gloom and doom. Uh, many of you know that Thomas's nickname was Doubting Thomas, right? Everything was doubtful. He was the pessimist of the, of the group of disciples. Uh, he was always the person uh, that was the, uh, the glasses half empty kind of mindset, uh, just all the time doubting things. And, and I refer to Thomas as the Eeyore of the disciples. Remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore was always, you know, it could be a beautifully sunny day, but if there's one cloud in the sky, Eeyore is going to find it, and he's going to say there's a storm coming, you know. This was Thomas. And Jesus confronts Thomas here for the purpose of not embarrassing him, not to rebuke him, but to restore him, to bring him to himself, to bring him back to where he was before. And Jesus says, hey, Thomas, go ahead, put your finger in there. I'm right here. Either hand, it doesn't matter. Go ahead, because I want to restore you to me. I want you to believe. Thomas, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I, I, look up. Go ahead, put your hand in my side where that spear went in. I want to restore you to me, Thomas. I want you to become believing, not unbelieving. I want you to see and remember the scars. There's a story of a lady who, whose daughter was uh, really honestly just really embarrassed of her mom. Uh, she didn't want to invite her mom to anything, no school functions. Uh, she never had friends over. She just kind of was to herself. And, and uh, the main reason was because mom had a huge scar on her face. And that little girl just thought, you know what, mom looks horrible. I don't want people to see my mom. And she was embarrassed of her mom. And eventually mom uh, got that little girl and said, hey, why don't you ever invite people over? Why don't you want me to go with you on school outings? Why don't you, you know, how come? And, and the little girl told her, Mom, I'm just so embarrassed for people to look at you. And so the mom sat her down and told her the story of how she got those scars. She said that one day she was at the well pulling up some water, and she turned around, and the house was on fire. She dropped the bucket right there at the well, and she ran into the house. And that little girl, when she was just a young, young one, was still in the crib, and the fire just totally surrounded her in that room. And mom pulled her out of there and held her and began to run out. But then, just before she got out, a beam fell down and fell on top of them. And part of that beam was on mom's face. And it took everything within her to, to get that thing off of her, but eventually she did. But in the meantime, that beam really burned her skin and her flesh and her face so it left a huge scar. Mom had to tell her that to get her to understand why, even though she was all scarred up, that she truly loved her daughter and why her face looked the way it did. Listen, Jesus has some scars. Jesus has scars in his hands. Jesus has scars in his feet. They're still there today as a reminder. Jesus has a scar in his side. Let me tell you how he got those scars. He got those scars because he didn't want you to go to hell. He got those scars because he did not want you to experience the wrath of God. He took those scars because he wanted you to have eternal life. He has those scars because he did not want you to pay the penalty for your own sin. This is what the resurrection does for us, not just the death of Christ. You see, if Jesus just died and never rose from the dead, he's just like any other person. But Jesus gave us hope through the resurrection. He provided restoration. 
Jesus provided salvation for you and for me. Jesus provided a way for you to be restored back to God as he originally created us. That we would be not only just the creation of God, but the children of God. Romans chapter 10, verses, verse 9, says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You see, Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead so that you could be saved. The ball is in your court, just like the ball was in Thomas's court. Thomas, you can either believe the scars or you could deny the scars. You can either, either trust that I went through this with you and that I'm now alive and well, or you can just simply deny it. But either way, Thomas, I don't want you to be unbelieving. I want you to be believing. And God wants us to be believing. If we will simply call upon the Lord, if we will with our mouth confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You are King of my life. And I believe from my my heart, that God has raised you from the dead, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to have a home in heaven. I want to have forgiveness of my sins. This is what the resurrection brings. It brings hope that you can be restored to God. Some of the most awesome words in all of Scripture. All of Scripture is awesome, but Thomas's response is incredible. What does Thomas say? He says, my Lord and my God restoration. Have you been restored? Have you asked Christ to come into your life? When we're done here in a few moments, you're going to have that opportunity. The fourth thing here, the resurrection hope provides restoration, and finally, resurrection hope demands a response. We skipped over verse number 21, and there was a purpose behind that. I want you to go back to verse number 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The resurrection hope, we have resolution. We have finality. We have certainty because of it. We have a guarantee that we're going to be re reunited one day. And we can be restored to God. But it also, resurrection hope, demands a response. Jesus says, just like, that's what the word as means there. Just like the Father sent me from heaven down to earth to live, to die, and to be raised again to save the people, so I am sending you in like manner. Just like the Father sent me, I am sending you. When Jesus came, he said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. He said, I've not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And this is what Jesus is asking of us in verse number 21. Just as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you with the same mission. And this is for all believers. We have a mandate. We have a mission. We've been commanded. We've been given the great commission. As Jesus responded to the call from his Father, so we must respond to the call from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called us in several, many passages you've all heard before. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. Jesus commanded us, go. Jesus commanded us in Mark 16, 15, go and preach the gospel to every creature. 
In Luke chapter 24, verse number 47, Jesus says, Repentance and remission of sins should be preached to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. Acts 1.8, but after you've received power, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the uttermost part of the earth. And then we come to John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Resurrection hope demands, demands a response from us. And that response is to share the gospel. To get outside of our homes, to get outside of our churches and into our communities. I know it's kind of difficult right now what we're going through. But boy, we have so many tools now. Internet. And all the things that, that go along with that and, and social media, we have so many tools today to get the message of the gospel out there. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Because he has given us a command, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. I'm going to share a story with you as we begin to close here. There was an elderly woman. She was diagnosed with a terminal illness. She knew she only had three months to live tops. And so she called her pastor over and told her pastor, I want to talk about the service and the order of service and what we want to do, kind of like what I spoke of with Winston Churchill at the very beginning, and uh, talked about the songs that she wanted sung at her funeral service and, and talked about the scriptures and the order and the, the people that were going to sing special music and what songs she wanted done and all the, those kinds of things. And the pastor's writing all this stuff down and he's about to leave and the elderly woman says this, wait, wait a minute, Pastor, there's one more thing that I want to tell you, that I want to happen. He says, what would that be? She said, now this is very important. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. And the pastor just kind of looked and kind of shook his head and wondered what in the world is she talking about? Why, why would she want that? And she began to explain. She said, you know, in all my years and all the socials that we've had and all the potluck dinners, when the dishes of the main course were being cleared off, inevitably, somewhere, sometime, somebody would say, keep your fork. Hold on to the fork. That's when we knew that something better was coming. That's when I knew the chocolate cake was coming. That's when I knew the deep dish apple pie was coming. That's when I knew the cheesecake was coming. That's when I knew that the key lime pie was coming. I knew the best was coming. And pastor, when people see me in that casket and they see that fork in my right hand and they ask, what's with the fork? I want you to tell them, keep the fork because the best is yet to come. Because of the resurrection, because of resurrection hope, we have resolution. We have new life that's been provided. Because of resurrection hope, we are guaranteed a reunion with King Jesus and all of our loved ones who knew the Lord. Because of resurrection hope, we can be restored to God through salvation in Christ. And because of resurrection hope, we must respond with evangelism, getting the word of the gospel out. And because of resurrection hope, <laughs> we have hope and know that the best is yet to come as we all look forward to heaven. Because Jesus rose from the dead, so we too one day will rise as believers in Christ and spend eternity with our King in heaven.
Let's have a word of prayer if we would, and heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and, you know, in the midst of this quiet moment, I need to ask, you know, do you have that resurrection hope? Have you asked Christ to come into your life? Do you know that you know that you know that if you died today, you're going to heaven? If God, if you stood before God and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? I, my hope is that your answer would be because of Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead, I have resurrection hope. Have you received Christ as your Savior? Have you ever had a time in your life where you realize you're a sinner? You realize you can't get on your own to heaven. It has to be God. And that happen, can happen through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Have you ever asked Christ into your life to save you and forgive you and trust him alone? You know, you can do that right now. In the quietness of your home, maybe you're in your bedroom, maybe you're in your living room or dining room or wherever it might be, you can call upon resurrection hope right now. You can call upon him in a simple prayer. And like it said in Romans chapter 10, it's got to be from the heart, believes with the heart, and confesses with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead. Call upon him right now. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead for me. And God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I cannot go to heaven because I am a sinner and you are holy. But God, I believe that Jesus paid my sin debt. I believe that he rose again from the dead to give me new life. God, as best I know how, right now, I ask you to come into my life and to save me. I ask you to forgive me. I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to get to heaven. I turn from my sin and I believe on your son. Would you please come into my life and save me right now? I trust fully in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And if you made that decision today, I want to encourage you to let us know. Let us know. Uh, you could go to cbcbrandon.org and, and uh, send us through our contact uh, tab and, and let us know something there. You can uh, write a comment here on our Facebook page. We would love to hear from you. But believers, I also want to share with you, you know, we, we do have a mandate. You, we're going to see our families again, those who have known the Lord. But we've got a mandate. We've, we've got something here that God has told us to do that we need to respond to, and that is the gospel. Responding to sharing the gospel. And the reason we should is because Jesus is resurrected, and we have that hope. And I want to challenge you and encourage you as a church to do exactly that. My hope is that. All of us will receive Jesus and then give away Jesus as we live our Christian lives. Praise God, the Lord Jesus died for us. He rose from the dead, and he's alive and well now. We're so thankful for that. God bless you, and may God bless all of our folks that are out there. May we be faithful to share his resurrection hope. Lord bless you. Thank you.